Hi, ever wonder what it's like to work another profession or live in the underworld? Listen to Unsuspecting Riders give a 10 to 15 minute personal masterclass as I spontaneously interview them as they enter my taxi. I'm your host, Simon Rushton, and this is Taxi Chronicles. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we've got an interesting guy all the way from India. The Far West, I'm not sure if you call it the Far East, but it's the East anyway. I've been there, it's a beautiful country, and his name is, you know, I won't miss it up. I'll let you, him say his name. It's actually a god, it's Buddha. But anyway, nice to have you here today. Hi, nice, um, nice to meet you as well. Hi, my name is Siddharth, by the way. And, and tell everybody what Siddharth means, please. Uh, don't know what exactly it means, but it's named after an enlightened being. So the Buddha, oh. after he got enlightened, that's when he got famous okay. across across the East. Okay. He was uh, he was known as Siddhartha, the prince. Okay, he was a he was a king's son, a okay. prince who who left who left his palace and all the uh, the comforts that the palace offered to find the deeper meaning of life okay. and uh yeah and that's is he from north india is it north india southern india East well he he would be from current day nepal so the north the, okay. it's northeastern part of india borders india and china so but he, so wait a minute when you say current day nepal yeah does that imply that nepal never used to be nepal it used to be part of india or something Nepal was so India became a geographical sort of political entity only 1947 when we got independence from the British. Yeah. But before that, it was just a conglomeration of like 600 princely states. Oh, 600. E- yeah. That's a lot, each isn't it? each of them ruled by small small you know, small kingdoms ruled by kings. But uh, there was cultural sort of view, sort of significance across the across the subcontinent. So you had. India, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nepal, China, a lot of this uh, cultural, uh, uh, you can say... Or familiarity, they, were, yeah, they yeah. all had some things in common. So, yeah, they had a lot of things in common, yeah. A bit so like those... Africa with the, with the group of people across Africa. That's right, that's okay. right. All right. So, so Buddhism so started off with the north, northeastern part, then it sort of spread towards China and the east. So the northeastern part is the Nepal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So well, I was in Sri Lanka. Right. And I see the big Buddhist temple. Right. And stuff. But then I saw Japanese. Yeah. And it didn't occur to me that Japanese have the same belief. Right. Yeah. They do. Some. So obviously there are variations to it. But yeah, you can find common thread in these beliefs. But I'm from the south of India. And I'm not a Buddhist. Okay. But, uh, but yeah. So. Okay. But you're not very dark. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not as dark as uh, some of the people from the south are. Yeah. Which, is that where your heritage is from, or do your family migrate there? I'm not sure. I mean, I could think of like my great 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 grandfathers are all from from the south, but I don't know. Maybe. Okay. A couple of hundred years back, if they moved from somewhere okay. else, I'm not sure. Because I understood that the Tamils were all Indian. Sorry, who? The Tamil people. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Indian, and that's why they're complaining that why is India not protecting us? 
Yeah, there was a big problem in Sri Lanka. Yeah, that, that time. The Tamils and the Sinhalese yeah. were... And that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you said it's 600, 600 different gods or tribes? Uh, no, so I said 600 small states. States? Yeah. But uh, in terms of gods, I think we have like 33 million gods is what, what I've Million? Heard. Million, yeah. <laughs> All right. So can I ask you something? Um, I, I, so you're not Buddhist? Are you Buddhist? I'm not Buddhist. I, so my religion would be Hindu. 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 Yeah. Is that the most popular be- belief in, in India? Yeah. So in the Indian subcontinent, I think around 75 to 80% of the people would, would fall under the Hinduism sort of religion. What's the difference between Hindu and Buddhism? Well, there again, there are a lot of commonalities. Uh, so Siddhartha, the prince who started off Buddhism, was, you could say, was a Hindu or at least one of the sects of Hindu, uh, Hinduism sort of religion. But uh, he was not able to find the answers within that sort of setting that he was in. So he wanted to chart his own path and sort of go out. Because all the traditional... Uh, sort of beliefs that were there at that time didn't really give him the answer that he wanted to mm-hmm. sort of satisfy his quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so you could say that uh, Buddhism is like a, a like an offshoot of Hinduism, of the sort of the bigger branch that you could call Hinduism, and Buddhism is probably a part of it, the way I see it. But you, you've been, I mean, the broad message is the same. So you know, you have to attain Nirvana or sort of uh, you know the, the sort of the common theme between Hinduism and Buddhism is not very different although the practices might differ so Hindu comes out of Buddhism is that what you're saying yeah okay alright and how would you how would you if you you could look at a person you could tell if they're Hindu or Buddhist, Buddhist what's the difference in the dress like I, I remember we used to see those people in orange, yeah, like a blanket thing or right. a robe wrapped around them with the. Is that that's Hindu? Uh, yeah. So even so, so, so those are the monks. Uh, so those are the ones that sort of give up everything. They're like the renunciates. They give up all the material aspects of life, and their only purpose in life is to really understand why am I here, where am I going what's life after death so they sort of renounce everything and become monks and so that sort of monk tradition is there in Buddhism it's there in Hinduism as well mm-hmm. so one of the things that they do is they wear just a plain robe to signify that they don't own any possessions so orange color robe is one of the commonly used sort of color robes that both Hindus and Buddhist monks wear what was Gandhi? Gandhi was... He wore the white robe. Yeah, he wore the white robe. Uh, again, you could wear whatever color you want. Is There's not like a hard and fast rule. But uh, Gandhi was, you could say he is a Hindu. But uh, he was, he never called himself a Hindu. He was like a secularist. He sort of believed in all religions. And uh, never really thought of himself as completely separate from one religion or the other. Okay. So, and just to go, talk about India, you've got seven castes, seven, is there a car, you've got a caste system. Yeah, we've got four. Can you explain that to, to us? Yeah, so you've got four main castes, so it's actually 
mainly done to sort of division of, as a division of labor. So the sort of the intellectual class were called the Brahmins. Brah- uh, Brahmins. Brahmins, yeah. So they were most mostly into the pursuit of either intellectual knowledge um, or spiritual knowledge. That was the main sort of thing okay. that they used to do. Then you've got the Kshatriyas. Those are the, the warriors and the administrators. They're like the Sikhs. Uh, no, Sikhs are a different caste altogether. So Sikhs also is like you could say broke out of Hinduism. But uh, Kshatriyas is a warrior, sort of warrior caste. Mm-hmm. Or you could say the administrator class. So they used to be the kings or the rulers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got the Vaishyas, which are the, the traders or the business people. And then you've got the Shudras who used to do all kinds of uh, sort of hard labor. Okay. So those are like the broad four categories and these categories had subcategories also, subcasts within that. Uh, but the main intention was to sort of, uh, for division of labor. So you've got one sort of class of people doing one specific thing and so on and so forth. Because you didn't have universities back in the day. Okay. So it was much more convenient to divide people in, in, in sort of these broad classes and then your children would sort of take on the profession of your parents okay. and then it sort of carries on. So it's a bit like what the British do in essence in this country where we have the northerners who do like a lot of factory jobs yeah. in certain parts of the country that be agriculture and other parts that be mining yeah. and things like that. Right. Okay. Oh, I see what I mean. But it's still carried on till today. It is. It is. It is still carried on till today. Now it's it's uh, so before it was profession based, but now it's more. It's become more of an ident- identity. Sort of, it's carried on that way because you're you sort of take on the caste that you're born into. Uh, so do you take it on with pride? See, I'll, I'll give you an example. Is in um, I remember I was watching a documentary in New York. Yeah. And there are these people who would come from Staten Island. Yeah. I think they were Irish. But they were really proud of coming from there, even though there's quite poverty. Right. Or um, maybe it's not Staten Island. It's a certain place in the New York area. And they're very proud of where they come from, regardless of the... It's a bit like Mike Tyson coming from Brownsville in the Bronx. It's the kind of hardest, right. gummiest place. But he's proud of where he comes from. Yeah. So do people take it on like that, or is it? How's it? Yeah, there there is an element of pride attached to it, but there's also an element of discrimination that's all, that that came with it because over the period of time, certain castes uh, were more powerful in terms of the access to resources and access to power. Mm-hmm. So they ended up discriminating the other caste. What? So, were these cast before the British or after the British? No, no, it was there. It was there much before the British. Much before the British. And then the British came and saw that these castes were sort of fighting amongst each other. There were fault lines that they could take advantage of. Uh, so they took advantage of that, and British did their classic divide and rule policy, where they understood that there is enmity between different castes because there has been a history of, yeah. you know, fighting and oppression. Yeah. Uh, so they took advantage of that and they sort of created that fight and became worse and ended up in 
that sort of subcontinent getting divided into three different parts. So mm-hmm. India became one country, Pakistan became another country, and Bangladesh became the third part of it. Okay. But then, oh yeah, so countries were formed out of many nations. Yeah. Many groups of people. Yeah. And that was, was that, you're saying that's due to the British? Yes. Or is that based on the British leaving and then countries formed? So the British came in and I think around 1857, so their aim was to just, again, sort of, as I said, there were six, 600 sort of small kingdoms. Yeah. So they would, you know, form alliances with different kings and sort of yeah. rule the place for their own benefit. Uh, but over a period of time, as I said, you know, there was culturally, there was a lot of similarities, even though there were 600 different kingdoms. Okay. Culturally, a lot of the people were similar, so they could relate with each other, eat with each other, even though they were different in, in the way they would practice stuff. And they sort of realized that this outside power is coming and ruling over them and exploiting them and taking away all their resources. So that led to all these different people coming together to fight for their independence. Mm-hmm. And so that that sort of led to the whole subcontinent rising against the British Empire. So that's current day India, Pakistan and Bangladesh but the fault lines that was there couldn't be ignored so the Hindus and the Muslims there was issues again I mean they used to fight against each other there was religious problems which the British were very clever to take advantage of because they didn't want to leave and if you can get these groups to fight amongst each other they get to stay on for longer so they were kind of fighting already or yeah there were sort of already issues. They had bad blood. Uh, they had bad blood and British sort of add, added fuel to the fire. And so that sort of became worse. And sort of when the when the independence movement sort of reached its crescendo, the, the Hindu-Muslim fight also became pretty bad. Okay. And then the Muslims uh, didn't have the confidence that they could uh, live under a Hindu majority rule and therefore they said that they would want a, a separate country for themselves mm-hmm. and that's how Pakistan was formed yeah. and then later on Bangladesh also sort of split see. split off from India so what you've been telling me has been great or us what I ask you is two last questions yeah. the first one is from all your knowledge of history yeah regarding India yeah and the region what would you change if you could go back in time knowing what you know now? Ah, what you could change? <laughs> it's a tough question. Uh, I think a bit more awareness of the other person's culture and viewpoints. Because I think over a period of time, because India is so diverse, everybody became uh, entrenched in their own cocoon. Mm-hmm. And didn't really understand the that diversity is the real strength mm-hmm. uh, that that sort of point was missed by Indians because as I said the, the collective mindset was never there we always l- looked at ourselves as small groups of people and because we looked at ourselves as small groups of people the outside force could come and make each of us fight against each other and so if, if we sort of had that collective mindset and were able to identify that, you know, these kinds of 
cultural differences should not become uh, you know so bad that we would kill or mm-hmm. fight in the name of it mm-hmm. uh, it would have saved us a lot of lot of trouble it would have saved us our country sort of splitting us into three different parts and during partition almost I think a million people died yeah. uh, so all that could have been avoided if, if we had that collective mindset and didn't sort of fall into the trap of uh, sort of group sort of small small groups mm-hmm. yeah. and the last question yeah. is what's the impact you personally want to have on the world <laughs> uh, I haven't really thought about that <laughs> yeah, okay. well, you, uh, what, what's your profession I work in finance okay I asked that question and I asked that question to everybody because it's the root of where you're going. Yeah. So it's your ultimate goal. Right. So if you they say if you don't know your where you're going, then how everything in between is kind of Right. Where what are you doing? Yeah. Because what's your ultimate goal? Right. But anyway, it's been very informative. Yes. It's great talking to you as well. And we appreciate your um your vo- your historical point of view. <laughs> And we wish you well. Thank you. We hope you liked that interview. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to get the latest daily episode. Ever considered investing in a continent with the fastest growing economy and population on Earth? The same continent that holds 30% of the world's known natural resources? Then listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where you will hear real investors with real stories from around the world share their experience of investing in Africa. We post Monday and Thursday at 10am.